Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, Once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com promo code CBC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashian season two, episode four recap. Hey, Joel. Hi, Anne. I have to tell you, I know we went back and forth a little, but I feel so validated that we maintained our faith in Kim and that she would not cut any mention of Pete. And I know we were debating it and we let fear creep in for a second there, especially because he wasn't in the trailer. But we said that Kim really does put entertainment value above anything else. And we really thought that she would keep it in because she knows that's what the public wants to see. So to open this episode with her talking about having sex with him at the Beverly Hills Hotel, it felt so good. It really did feel like our prayers were answered. I felt so unbelievably validated, but at the same time, I was also surprised because I feel like my whole thing with it was like, okay, she's not going to cut out mentions of him entirely. Like he was a huge part of her life at this specific part of her life. And so there's no way that even if she wanted to, she could get away with not mentioning him at all. My thing was that I thought we would get, as we had gotten so far, a very watered down version of their relationship or their interactions with each other. By so far, I mean this season, obviously not last. And so for this episode to finally come in with like a sex mention, a phone call from him, like that was the shit I wanted and wasn't sure if we were going to get. And it just felt amazing. It really did feel so good. And also for her to be talking about it with Chris, Chloe and MJ, like that is the dream team. I was just going to say, that's the fucking dream team. When she says to MJ, you know what's so crazy? Pete and I were staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel last weekend and we were sitting in front of the fireplace just talking for hours. And I was like, my grandma told me that you really live life when you have sex in front of the fireplace. And so we had sex in front of the fireplace in honor of you. (laughs) Like, that's amazing. You know what I really appreciate about those conversations with MJ? It's like, obviously it's so funny to hear Kim talk to her grandma about having sex, but... What's funny about it really is that this comes up a couple of times about MJ saying specific things about sex or giving them advice. And the openness between them and MJ really allows you to see what created the openness between Chris and her kids. Like you see the cycle of it and where it started. Well, that's what I was going to say. It, it, it was so clear once you really get to know MJ more that it was just passed down. I mean, it's a learned behavior for Chris. Yeah, it's just a, it's a very open family. And I think that (laughs) that has given us more entertainment value than I can put into words. But one of the things that we have said since day one of the Kardashians is that 
how open they are with each other and how they open they are with Chris and how comfortable they are talking about things that would be considered uncomfortable conversations for a lot of people with their family members is something that gave the show like that special oomph. You know what I mean? Like that's what the plot was there. That's what the shtick was. And so to be able to trace that back to something that had nothing to do with reality TV, nothing to do with famous, just the way that Chris was seemingly brought up really brings everything together. Right. It's like you can really see what Ryan Seacrest felt when he went to their house for a barbecue back in 2006 or whenever it was. And he was like, whoa, there's something about this family dynamic that just works. If you really think about it, we maybe have MJ to thank for all of that. But the other thing about the scene that I want to mention is we had kind of talked and hypothesized about when Kim and Pete were really in the heat of it, how he most likely wasn't sleeping at the house and where they were going. And so I wonder, was it always the Beverly Hills Hotel? Like, was that their location of choice? Did, did he have a place in LA that they were also going to? Did they go to different hotels? To me, the way she describes it makes it feel like the Beverly Hills Hotel is kind of their place if it's not going to be hanging out at her house. But to hear her say it was just nice confirmation. I think that they spent all their time at Beverly Hills Hotel. I mean, think about it also. Any time that there was a spotting of them in L.A., especially in the beginning of their relationship, it was at the Beverly Hills Hotel. So I think seemingly that is where they stayed every single time. Because when he would come to the house, like, for example, when he was in the background of that video playing with Saint, it was never my assumption that he slept over. Well, I don't know, because maybe at that six month mark where she started to introduce him to the kids and he was around them more then it maybe was kosher for him to sleep over. And she felt OK with that. Yeah, I don't I mean, wait, let me be really clear. Zero judgment one way or another. It was just always kind of I got the vibe that that's what she felt comfortable with. But you're right. I don't know. It's just there's something about hearing her spell out the logistics that allows you to paint such a clearer picture. Remember those really, really early initial days when everybody would just get one little glimpse of them at the Beverly Hills Hotel having breakfast so casually in their sweatpants. And it was like uh, that fed you for the week. <laughs> it's still feeding me. They are broken up for a decent amount of time and it is still feeding me. I swear to God. I missed that time. I'm sorry. I am so fucking nostalgic for it based on this episode. That was peak, 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 peak pop culture. No, I know. I mean, even in this scene when he calls and he's on speaker and then Chris in her confessional says, Pete's amazing. No drama, no stress. He's just Pete. Fits in with the family. I think Kim is happy. She laughs. She's more confident. Pete brings out the best in her. You know, we find out later on that this is happening right around the same time that Kanye was really going off on Instagram. And we'll get into this, but Kim makes that comment saying, you know, please stop with this narrative. And so I think Pete's easygoingness was even additionally emphasized based on what was happening with Kanye. But I can't stress this enough how much I've been thinking about it. When Chris says in that line, you know, Kim's just more confident. It's a conversation we've had a lot because obviously to us and to the average person, Kim appears just eternally confident. Like she is the picture of confidence, but you see it's more recently she's gotten that. And it was in last week's episode and we were talking about that scene when Kanye was texting her, kind of making fun of her fashion. And she was presenting it as if it was all in good fun. And we were saying, no, we really think that he does that because he so deeply wants to get her in touch with that fashion and security. Because then if she's not feeling entirely confident in her own fashion, she'll need to lean on him thus connecting them a little bit more. And so I guess I just had that scene in the back of my mind when listening to Chris speaks. It's like, I think the way that Pete made her feel enough exactly as is, is something that Kanye, even on his best day, never did. Because even in the beginning when Kanye really put her on a pedestal and thought that she was 
the greatest in the world before she even thought that she was, he still was like, but here's how we're going to get you there, which I think we've always looked at kind of as a positive. Like he was a visionary for Kim and saw things in her that no one else did, but it was still under the guise of like, I know how to get you there. And I think with Pete, there's just something so nice about being like, you are exactly perfect as you are. Oh, totally. And the thing that I was going to ask you, which I'm glad you brought that point up is as they say to her continuously, last season, this season, there's been such a change in Kim. She's so much happier. She's so much lighter. And they really emphasize that confidence, which I agree. It's kind of funny to hear somebody be like, Kim, you've gotten so much more confident because in our mind, it's like, I mean, Kim is the beacon of confidence, but clearly that to the people who know her best, that wasn't necessarily the case. And as they talk about it, a little more in the show. I think that we can kind of see that too when they point out certain things. But my question to you, and I don't even know if you'll be able to answer this, is do you think that the confidence that she's derived from that period of her life where she was with Pete has had that lasting effect? Like, do you still see that today? Or do you think that she acts a little bit differently post-breakup? It's so hard to say definitively, but I think I'm going to say yes. And I'll explain my reasoning and tell me what you think. It's a combination of things. First of all, I think what she got from the Pete relationship, she's going to now take with her either to her next relationship or just in general, like that real lightheartedness and just pure comfort within herself, I think is something that carries on first. Second of all, I think she's at the time where she's maybe the most separated from Connie that she has ever been. Like even in terms of their communication, I just read something that apparently she's requiring a third party there, even when talking about the kid's schedule. So of course, everything going on with Connie is deeply traumatizing for her, but I actually think because of it, they've been the most separate. And so some of his negativity can't even creep into her because she's not allowing that communication to take place. That could be naive. That could not be the case. It's just a thought that I'm having that I think could potentially be true. And then also look at what she's done recently, like the entire Dolce & Gabbana, Chow Kim thing, the new Stuart Weitzman thing. I I don't know. It does feel like that confidence really has continued to grow. I guess you can't say for sure. But yes, I think that it wasn't only Pete's presence that was giving that to her. I think it was the signaling of the end of the Kanye era and then also the realization that she could be like that with someone and it could exist. Yeah, that's my thought as well. You know, it's interesting in this episode, which we'll get into when we get into the variety stuff, we see Kim start to lose it a little bit for the first time. Like we see it start to get to her. And I don't know how many times we've seen that happen in the past. The way that Chloe was so shook is the way that I was so shook. Yeah, like, you know, when they're sitting in the car not to jump ahead and Chloe says to Kim, we're built for this. And Kim says, I don't know if we are. That was the first time I have ever heard Kim, and correct me if I'm wrong, hint at anything close to like, maybe sometimes this isn't worth it. Ever. I mean, I think back to that scene from Keeping Up. I don't remember exactly what season it was, but it's Kim, Courtney, and Kylie. And Kylie says, you know, I just know that I wasn't meant for this. I know I wasn't meant to be famous. And Courtney chimes in. It's like, yeah, me neither. And Kim's like, oh, I definitely was. I always just go back to that scene because it, it's true. It it always felt like it was something inside of Kim where she just knew she was born for this. And not to say in that car ride with Chloe, she's saying she wasn't, but you're right. It was the first time we were like seeing her sweat, which by the way, is like the most humanizing thing ever. Like how crazy were 20 seasons of Keeping Up and two seasons of Kardashians. And in this is the first time we've heard her mention something like that. Like that is wild in and of itself. We've just grown so accustomed to this kind of, you know, ironclad front that she's always had. And it always felt genuine. 
Well, and also on top of just the whole concept of knowing that she was meant to be famous and understanding the territory that comes with it, I feel like every situation that Kim has been put in has been met with this really like, I guess, assured ideology that even if this sucks and even if this feels like the worst thing at the time, like I can't complain about it because I am so lucky to even be put in this position and I will take every single thing that comes with it, good and bad, because I know that this is what I wanted. And therefore, like, you're not going to catch me complaining. Like, you're not going to catch me being one of those celebrities that's like, well, I really miss my privacy. And like, it's really hard to handle this lifestyle. Like Kim has always been so, so, so careful to not kind of get down that slippery slope. And so I can't blame her for that in this episode, but to see it start to get to her and to see for the first time her do that a little bit and have that normal reaction was like, whoa. Okay, yes, but also to me, this was a little bit different because it wasn't even so much about the fame or the privacy stuff. To me, it was almost Kim getting in touch with her OG self. And what I mean by that is earlier on, Kim really cared about how what she said was received. And not to say she ever stopped, like OG Kim was very much a people pleaser. And as the years went on, and partially because of some of Kanye's influence earlier on, obviously nothing recent, she became more comfortable with saying, you know what, people aren't going to like everything I say, and I have to be okay with that. And she really rode that wave for a while. And this was one of the first times in a while where I think she was like, oh shit, you know what? This isn't just about like me standing firm in my message. I hurt people deeply. Like either there was a misunderstanding or maybe the way that I phrased it was wrong or it just, it was wrong. And so it was like, I don't know, almost reverting back to her older self, but not in a negative way because it was a sense of self-reflection and like introspection that I think was really important. But the, the way that it played out, I don't know. It, it was, you're right. It was very interesting for me because it's something we had not seen in a while, but for a plethora of reasons. Yes, absolutely. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the season changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And 
I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so the way that we organize this episode is not really scene by scene other than the opening scene, which we just had to talk about immediately. We more so did it by person in their plot line, but obviously there's a lot of overlap, so it's not really in order, but we wanted to start with Kendall. Not to say that her house flipping journey with Fi isn't interesting, it is, but it got us what we have all been waiting for, which is a Scott Disick appearance. Had they mentioned flipping houses? and not had Scott in this episode, I think that I actually would have sued. Am I wrong or did we kind of talk about this? Because I vaguely remember when we were saying how there's no way in season two, Scott's plotline is going to revolve around Courtney. Like she was really not pleased with it. She spoke about it on the show. Obviously, I know she spoke about it recently in her interview with Amanda, but it wasn't serving either of them. Like the association just wasn't working. And we said either his friendship with Pete could be featured or maybe something to do with him flipping houses. Like we would love to see that. I feel like we said that. And so then for Kendall to go over to his for house flipping advice, I was just like in heaven. It it was so minor. And I think that any other time in Kardashian's history had the only Scott appearance we had gone in an episode been him talking to Kendall about flipping houses. We would have been like, okay, give us a little more. I was so happy to just see him on my screen that it literally didn't matter. I was in heaven. Well, the other thing that I was thinking about, and I think we may have spoken about this on Monday's episode or maybe last week, when Courtney was interviewed by Amanda, she said, you know, I don't know if Scott will be on this season. And to us, the only thing that that did was like instill a very deep sense of fear. But as I thought about it more, and as I was watching this episode, that made me think, basically what she's saying is that she never filmed with him, which I know they wouldn't have filmed one-on-one, but like clearly apparently there weren't that many group scenes or family parties or for example, dinners at Chris's house like there was last season where they would have all been together and she would have known if he was being filmed. Is that like a crazy assumption or does that kind of track for you? No, that's not a crazy assumption at all. I honestly did not assume that there were any scenes where they would have filmed together. There's not many scenes that Courtney's in to begin with. I know it's so wild when you're watching the show and then also on TikTok constantly reminded of OG Kardashians where it was so... Courtney and Chloe. It's like Courtney, I think, really wants to cement her plot on the show as her life with Travis, which I get. Like she had so many years of just toxicity in relationships and she wants to only showcase this. But I think the lack of like full sister involvement, I shouldn't be surprised by it because we've seen it for a while now, but it still does not shock me, but it's something that I notice. No, me too. And also I have to say, 
I have not given up hope now that we've gotten that first Scott scene. I've not given up hope that we are going to see scenes of Scott and Pete together or more scenes where Scott is talking about his relationship with Pete. Well, that was our initial hypothesis. When they were still together, we thought that Scott would come back to the show season two in the capacity of really being friends with Pete and leaning into that. We knew Pete didn't want to film that much, but maybe when he did. So I still don't know if we'll get that, but just to hear Scott even say it, it felt like that friendship really was as real as we thought that it was. Okay. So I just Googled this for timeline's sake. We know that this episode takes place in March And Kim specifically mentions a post by Kanye, and I believe that that post happened on March 14th. So this whole episode kind of centers probably around that week or so. The night that Pete and Scott hung out and was like the, quote, boys night Insta story was March 20th. And that Insta story that Scott had posted of Pete driving the golf cart to Scott's house. And also remember later that day, we got Pete in the golf cart with North and Penelope. That was April 4th. So If it is going to happen where we get mentions of that from Scott or any sort of a scene involving that, next week's where it's going to happen, I think. Or like we're right around that time frame. Trust me, I want it so badly. I just can't keep my hopes up because I know that Pete wasn't thrilled about the idea of filming in general, you know? No, of course. And I don't expect Pete to be in any of those scenes. What I expect is, sorry, not expect, what I would hope for or want in an ideal world is a scene where Kim and Scott are sitting down and discussing that. Like Kim goes over to Scott's was like, I heard you had a boys night last night. Like tell him like whatever. And they talk about that. It was the first time they hung out or, you know, um, Kim's on the phone with Pete and is like, Scott was so happy that you came over and said hi. And like North had so much fun in the golf cart. Oh my, well, first of all, yes. And remember for Chris's birthday when they were all standing in the lobby, I think Ellen was there maybe. And Kim and Scott were kind of talking about it and she makes a brief comment about like, couldn't answer your FaceTime. I was in bed or whatever it was. Yes. Yes. That's okay. You're right. That is the kind of scene that I want more of. Yeah. I have no expectation of Pete being filmed other than the Met Gala because we've seen that on camera and that was kind of a given. No part of me thinks there's going to be a Pete and Scott scene that would like, uh, if I saw that come across my TV, I would be convinced that this was my last day on earth. I'm not expecting that. But I don't think that them discussing the fact that that happened is so far off, especially because knowing the time period we're in, especially when it comes to the Kim and Pete stuff is so important. It's such important information to have. Like, yeah, of course we like knowing when the variety interview came out and, you know, the aftermath of Kim talking about it or when Pete was going to space, but to actually know where we are in the show versus where we are in the timeline of Kim and Pete's relationship, that changes everything of what we're viewing. Well, let's also not forget that that post of Kanye, which you said was mid-March, as we talked about, I think that was maybe the time that was one of the most bonding for them, almost in a trauma bond kind of way. But they were going through it together because Kanye was about to really go after Pete, you know? So there was like a lot of closeness that was being formed through this real intense period. And also, as we said before about Pete being in the golf cart with North, like, we're at the six month point of their relationship almost like that is when Kim started to introduce the kids to Pete, And so that's also a plot that I could see us getting or not a plot more of just like a mention of like, well, it happened. Like I, the kids met Pete last night for the first time. Would lose my mind over that. Lose my mind. Like uh, a conversation where she's on the phone with Courtney and she's like, they're kind of like comparing and contrasting. Not that 
Courtney ever had to introduce the kids to Travis because they grew up with him and they're such close friends. But, you know, Kim always says that she feels like she's a step behind Courtney. And so for her to call Courtney to discuss that process, knowing that Courtney had gone through it already. Oh, my God. To me, I couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, You and me both. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. We're going to briefly transition to Chris now, both her hip surgery and then also her lunch with Martha Stewart and Chloe. And then we'll end with Kim, Variety and Kanye and all of that. But you know, we see her go to the doctor. And then in that scene, when she's sitting down with Kim and Chloe and MJ and really just expressing her fear about all of these changes she's experiencing in her body and just the aging process, I found it to be really, really emotional because it's a side of Chris we don't typically see. And as she said last week, it's a side of her she doesn't necessarily like to show her kids. Yeah, I mean, and also I think that what was really important in these scenes was just the way that Chris emphasized that contrast between like the way that she feels and the way that her mind works and the way that her internal body works versus the way that it's almost betraying her. And to me, like, you know, it weirdly was humanizing, which is like a strange way to describe somebody going through something like this. But it was, it's like, I think that we view... Chris as so like indestructible almost because of the way that she is just the matriarch of this family. And so to see Chris going through something like this and, you know, 
taking her health into consideration and considering the possibility that like, okay, you got to slow down. Like, and that's okay to do. To me, it was like a real glimpse into like, oh, Chris is like a real person. She's not just this like idea of a matriarchal TV character. Well, I think it was also really relatable, whether you're the person that's relating to Chris or the child in the situation, because I think most people can understand what it's like to see your parents get older and not only what that brings up in you, but also what it brings up in them. Like, think about it. My dad will say all the time to us, you know, I still feel like I'm 25. I just, my body just won't work like I am, you know? And so it's, it's, I don't know, for me, I, I was very emotional watching this. I think it brought up a lot of things for me. One obviously losing my mom, but also just seeing my dad get older and how my mind, I've said this before, but it's like, it's a real duality. Cause on one hand, it's like, I am so hyper aware of how much of a privilege aging is. And you know, you're only, how lucky are you to be able to get older and to be able to experience life and have this time with your kids and your grandkids, of course. But then also just, there's this real sadness that comes with it. And it's, it's a lot, you know, you get to this age and, and your, your parents and where they're at in their stage of their life is just so, I think, hyper-present in your mind. So it was both seeing Chris in that light, but also seeing Kim and Chloe from the perspectives of just daughters who want their mom to be okay. And then also the third unmentioned element that was kind of silent in all of this, and I know this is the case because Chris has said it multiple times before, you know, her getting older also signals her mom getting older. And as she said, that's her biggest fear, losing her mom. So it was like three generations of conversations happening that it was just a lot. And, and, you know, then on top of it, nothing to do with them. Like literally just me as myself watching that. I also was having this moment of like, oh, I, I only wish I could have these, these conversations with my mom and, and be with her as she goes through the process of aging. And like, it's just, it's a lot. I don't know. You know, you really do get to a certain age and life just, you just think about things in a different way. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. And on kind of a, a lesser note too, which is something to take into consideration is there's a lot to be said for dealing with just the change of getting older. And even if it's not a finite, like, oh, this means that the end is in sight. Like, obviously I know that's like such a dark path to go down. And that really is where your mind goes a lot of time, especially for you as somebody who lost a parent, that the idea of, of, aging or getting older or something like this happening is, is going to signal that there's also just the idea of adapting to that and living life with these changes. So for Chris, it's like, you know, as somebody who's in her sixties and has been really healthy up until this point, it's now like, okay, I'm going to have restrictions as I go forward. Like maybe I can't play with my grandchildren in the same way that I used to. Maybe I can't lift them in the same way that I used to. And that's a really hard part about getting older too, is like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere yet, hopefully knock on wood, but also like these things are going to start to happen and I can't really have control over them anymore. I know that's how I felt like when my grandparents stopped really being able to drive at night where I was like, I know logically that like, this is not the end of the world. All grandparents stopped driving, but the idea that they couldn't just get to my house at a moment's notice because they now had to take in consideration the fact that like, well, if they left, it was going to be dark at night. Like that was a really, really huge adaption for me, even though it was so minor in the grand scheme of things. Right. And that's why I think that as the younger generation, whether it's your parent or your grandparent or your aunt or your uncle, whoever it is, we have a responsibility to do two things. One, obviously infuse them with a lot of optimism, kind of in the way that Chloe was of like, but we're going to make these changes and it's going to be okay. But then also, also like Chloe did really validate what they're going through and like give them a lot of grace. Cause it's a lot easier to say, 
yeah, but you're going to be okay. Like, yeah, but it's one change. It's one little life adjustment. And so I just think that we have such a responsibility when having those conversations with people older than us to really, we'll never be able to fully understand how they're feeling, but like try to be as gentle as physically possible. It's, it, I, I can't like stress how, how strongly I feel about that. Well, that was also such a big part of the scene. And by big part, I mean, honestly, minor. But if you pick up on those little things, major was the way that they were talking about it. And Chloe saying to Chris, like, you kind of always do this. Like you go to a really dark place and you have these really dark thoughts. And I, and the way that you speak to yourself is so unkind and Chloe really trying to help Chris change that mindset and Kim jumping in and being like, but give her a minute. Like she, but she's allowed to right now. And then we can tackle that. And so the dynamic between the three of them is always so interesting to analyze, but also right then and there, you saw the complete differences between the way that Kim handles something and Chloe does. Like Chloe is so programmed to be like, okay, you know, we got to get on top of this. Like we have to change our mindset. We have to change our thinking. And Kim is so protective in that way where she's like, okay, but give her a second. Yeah. But the irony of that whole thing is that I think that if you had to choose which one of them operates more like Chris, when it comes to themselves, you would probably say it's Chloe. I think Chloe has a lot of negative self-talk. And I think Chloe does maybe often go to worst case scenario in her head because she's unfortunately been programmed to be like that because a lot of times it has been worst case scenario. It's just both of them served the perfect role for what they needed in that moment. And both of them are such excellent daughters to Chris, but it just goes to show you how it's so different when you're talking to yourself versus when you're talking to someone else. It's like how they say, you know, try to talk to yourself like you talk to your daughter or your best friend or whoever it is. And on that point, when Chris is actually in the operating room and Kim is there with her and Chris has in her confessional going under always makes her feel nervous, but that she's so blessed to have Kim. And she's like, she's always making me feel like she's got my back. She's there to protect me and that she's in charge. And for that, I love you, Kim. And I think we were saying that recently, I don't even remember which conversation they all kind of blend together of like the thing that Chris gives to everyone else, Kim gives to Chris. Right. Which, going back to that point that you just made, is also the same for Chloe in terms of the way that she speaks to herself versus other people, where I think that Chloe probably has really improved on her self-talk, but that was an issue for Chloe, and therefore she's really trained to spot it in others. So as hard as it may be sometimes for her to not go to a dark place and not you know, self-isolate as we've seen and really go within herself, as soon as someone else starts to do that, she is immediately signaled into that and knows exactly how to spot it and knows better for somebody else how to tell them or help them shut that off. Totally. Totally. You know, the other Chris and Chloe scene is just the Martha Stewart one, which I know was kind of more gimmicky than anything. But to me, I get the way Chris feels about Martha Stewart because I too feel similarly. I just think she is such a unique person and such a force in the way that she's maintained her role in the industry for so many years is like, it's just very cool to witness. And so to see Chris get almost a little bit nervous for someone to come to her house when literally anyone else in that situation, her own kids included, would feel that way about her is wild. Like I almost wanted to say to Martha, you have no idea the power you hold in this moment. I think one of the funniest sentences that has ever been said is Chris going, I really want to get Chloe a peacock as a housewarming gift. So I've invited Martha Stewart over for lunch. Like, first of all, there's two elements of that. One, fucking hilarious sentence. Two, 
immediately I was like, that makes perfect sense. I know. When Chloe was like, no, you just wanted to have lunch with Martha Stewart. I was like, no, she just wanted to get you a peacock. Yeah. Like, don't you know about Martha Stewart's peacock? Martha Stewart coming to lunch with printed out pictures of her peacock is iconic. Why are we talking about anything else? Honestly, she's so iconic in every single thing that she does. Do you see? She just enters a room and she takes charge. Like it was really, to me, it was a very interesting viewing experience to see Kris Jenner maybe not be the one in control in the room. It was too good. You know what I also have to say about this scene? We have seen the Kardashians, all of them, in some of the greatest outfits, just spectacular designer, like literally blows your mind to see what they have put on their body. Chloe in this outfit, in this simple tank top and jeans, I was like, this is the best you've ever looked. I know. And I remember feeling that way when they posted the photo from the day with Martha. Like I remember being like, wow, Chloe looks really good there. And she did. And also I love the shot of her coming out of her house because it just goes to show you like that property line really was removed. Like she just struts on over all five feet. No, you know what the truest thing Chloe said in this episode was when she was like, I have never expressed any sort of an interest in having a peacock. No part of me wants one. I don't know where my mom came up with this idea, but I do know that the reason she wants me to get it is because she doesn't want to have to be responsible for it. She wants to keep it on my property line. But as soon as she has a dinner party, oh, come check out my peacock. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning. There's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I'm a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. So 
So the final plot line here is really focused on the backlash from the Variety interview when Kim says the now famous line of, I have the best advice for women in business, get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like no one wants to work anymore, which as we know, I mean, that was hell at the time. I remember talking about it on the podcast when it came out. It was just a nightmare. And you're right. Like To go back to our earlier conversation, to see Kim squirm in this way, I aside from what we said before about like how it was, you know, seemingly off brand for her. But also I was so curious at the time when all of the backlash was happening, how she was feeling, how she was reacting to it. And so to be able to get that, this was an example of like the behind the scenes stuff we really, really were curious about when the rest of this episode, we we didn't know to know about it behind the scenes. Like we never thought we were going to get the behind the scenes of Kim and Pete at the Beverly Hills hotel. We knew about Martha Stewart, didn't know we were going to get the behind the scenes there. So this was something where we distinctly remember it happening and personally have been so curious about how it was handled. So to see her kind of freak out was like, wow. So that was happening at the same time. And even getting the behind the scenes of just the way that they respond to things. You know, that's something that we're always so curious about, whether they're going to release a statement, whether they're going to post on Insta story, whether Kim is going to comment on Kanye's post. Like all of these little cues that they give us are all really planned out responses, especially when they say nothing, by the way. And so for Kim to have this moment where she's sitting in the car and she's on the phone with Chris and she's like, I think I want to say something. And Chris is like, why don't you sleep on it? And then we can kind of come up with something. It's not a given that Kim was just going to come out and clarify the point that she wanted. But it also wasn't as deep as, okay, let's get Tracy on the phone right now. Let's come up with a plan. Let's do it on this platform. Let's write it all out. It was very much like what felt natural for them at the time. And I'm sure once Kim made that decision of like, okay, this is how I want to handle it, then a plan got put into place. But we didn't see them go immediately into like, okay, damage control. No, we didn't. They were really sitting with it for a minute, which was interesting because this was, I would say, some of the strongest backlash they had gotten because even fans of them were upset about it. It wasn't like what Chloe said of, you know, people would have been pissed no matter what we said. On some level, that's true. But I think even people that adore Kim felt like that was just handled wrong. You know, like when you when you watch that clip now, you can't help but cringe because even if you didn't know the backlash coming, you watch that and you're like, oof. That's just not going to land in the way that I think you think it is. You know, it's interesting that Chloe made that comment of like, no matter what we would have said, it would have come across incorrectly. It was the right message, the wrong messenger. You know, I think that if you're a celebrity, answering that question, especially as somebody who grew up privileged, there's kind of been a guidebook written for you for what people are looking for. Like, any celebrity who kind of comes forward and says like, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you right now, like I had a really privileged upbringing and that went into where I am today. With that being said, here's the advice that I would give. That's automatically met with a lot of praise. People really love the honesty in that. And I think that not to take away from the work that Kim did and not to take away from the work ethic and the values that they were raised in and they were raised with because we have seen that time and time again. I think that both messages can get across. You can be really privileged and brought up that way and also have a really intense, insane work ethic that has gotten you to this point instead of just depending on the way that you were raised or coasting through life. And I think to really explain those two things would have gotten Kim's message across so much greater. And so I really disagreed with Chloe when she said no matter what, it would have been taken incorrectly because I don't think it would have been. I think there was a way to get both things across. 
right. And I'm on your page with that. But also the part of her comment that really made this whole thing spiral out of control was when she said, it feels like nobody wants to work anymore. That was what people really took issue with because she meant it, I think in, in the specific like entertainment space in this overnight, potentially social media success. But when you say a blanket statement like that without qualifying to people receiving it, it feels personal. And so if you remember at the time there was like ICU nurses that were like, really? Cause we just did a, an 18 hour shift. And like it, the whole thing got really intense really quick. But I think saying a statement like that nowadays, especially at the, you know, in the moment she said it, when there was so much going on in the world, it was just like, you can't make a blanket statement like that, even if you mean it so much more specifically and not think that people are going to be upset. It was interesting. Like even, I, you know, the clip is exactly what it was in the behind the scenes. Like there was nothing that you got from seeing the way the interviewer asked the questions or the way the room was set up that like gave you any different angle or insight into what was said. Like the clip that you got really explained it all, but it just struck me again. I think seeing it, like how sure Kim was and what she was going to say, like she was so fed up and she just had to get this point across. And I still don't really understand where that came from. Like she was just so like, cut everybody off. Like, you know what, here's what it is. And I need to get this point across. And I think she said it with such like gusto that she thought it was going to be like a really motivational and powerful thing. And it just didn't land. But I also think that was a huge part of it as to why it was perceived so, so harshly and so um, negatively is because the way that she said it was like, why are you yelling at me about this? Yeah, it felt almost personal, right? Like she was saying it to you as the listener specifically. Listen, people fuck up. She fucked up. This was wrong. This was objectively wrong. It was said wrong. The message was communicated wrong. The whole thing was just wrong. And like, what? you're not going to crucify her for it. It's over now. But it was a it was a shitty moment that I'm glad that they worked past. And I, I don't care if you're Kim Kardashian, Mark Cuban, Kevin Hart. I don't care who you are. I think to say it seems like nobody wants to work anymore. I just don't think... Honestly, anyone is allowed to say that. I think it's, you say that and it just comes across wrong because people automatically, their gut reaction is going to be like, how dare you say that to me? You have no idea, even if it's not meant specifically. Totally. Yes. Anyway, I mean, the, the final thing here is when they're at lunch with Kendall, Chloe and Kim and Kim's kind of talking about losing it a little bit. And she says, you know, Kanye posted, I can't see the kids. And I'm like, you were here this morning. Stop with this narrative. I can't take it anymore. She's like, but then I don't want to go back and forth on the internet, which I mean, you guys remember we posted that immediately. And that was like, I would say that was one of the craziest moments, like behind the scenes comments ever, because we could not believe we were getting that interaction on Instagram. Like that just seemed wild to us. But to see Kim basically say that she just got to a point where she was so fed up that she was like, fuck it. And then she didn't engage after the fact. She just wanted to have a one time thing and then move on. But you see the point of frustration she must have gotten to to say that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and especially for us to see the behind the scenes of that comment, even if it wasn't like her in the moment doing it was just crazy. I went to go find the comment today because I so distinctly remember posting it. Like I so distinctly remember getting that, putting it up right away. Do you know that that post got 136,000 likes with 2,700 comments? Like that is probably one of our most interacted with posts of all time. Do you have the analytics up for it? Yeah. Can you, how many shares were there? Um, 70,000. Wow. That's wild, huh? It, it really is crazy. Yeah. 
I mean, cause it was crazy. It, that was the whole, that was, a, uh, yeah. Wow. Hmm. I mean, I, I actually, I'm not even going to go there. I was going to say the, the photo of Kanye with Ray J and Kid Rock. It's just this, I feel the extent to which we talked about Kanye in Monday's episode, which was kind of the first 15 minutes is all the Kanye we need to discuss at the moment. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I, I can't go there again. I really I don't, I don't have, have it in I me. Just, I don't have it in me. Yeah, that's how I feel. Okay. Well, is there anything else you want to mention? I think that's it. That was a good episode. I enjoyed it. I really deeply enjoyed it. I love this one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we love you guys as well. And I will see you tomorrow for Bravo. And then we'll be back on Monday. 